serving all of eastern Utah. This is News Talk, 107.3 FM and 7.50 AM. KOAL. Price. Right-footed kick is up, and it is good! The Rams are going to the Super Bowl! Rivers on a give. Gordon takes the left side and knights in for the score! Welcome to Bolts and Horns, a pro football show with Jordan Buscarini and Vinny Rondinelli on the Drive Time Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to Bolts and Horns, a pro football show with an L.A. twist right here on the Drive Time Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jordan Buscarini, and as always, I have Vinny Rondinelli with me in the studio today. Awesome to be here. Awesome to be here on a rainy day, huh? Yeah, I look forward to this each week. Vinny, with it being Football Tuesday, we got a guest today, and I'm really looking forward to talking to this guy, Javier Edwards. If you follow Pac-12 football, you know the name. He plays defensive tackle for Colorado. He's a senior going into the NFL draft, and he was borderline of being like a seventh-round pick. And following his pro day, he started to rise a little bit on the draft boards, and it looks like they, he may even have an opportunity to be selected in the second day. This is going to be a fun story and a fun interview. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, this is very cool, an ascending player. That's awesome because the back end of these drafts, they change so much. Yeah. The very back end of the draft, the back end of your roster makeup, free agency shakes up your starters, obviously. Most of the time, this first wave of free agency, you're looking for a starter, right? Mm-hmm. So your depth chart changes. So the back end of the draft, four through seven, is really where you make your – your roster up. That's where you develop your players to move in on a loss or maybe take a place of a guy that you cut for cap reasons. So the back end of your roster is huge, and rounds four through seven is always amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very interesting. And if you're a Utah Ute fan and you're a diehard Utah Ute fan, or if you're a Notre Dame fan or a US, whoever, you know, an Oklahoma fan, the names that you have grown to know on a regular basis within your program – typically get called in rounds four, five, six, and seven. Correct. Right. You have your superstars. You got superstars. But the names that you get familiar with, the players that you fall in love with, they typically get drafted day two, day three. Day two, day three. That's right. And it's a three-day event. Yeah. It's a huge deal now. It's on TV every night, and the draft's gone crazy. I would tell you what, last five years, draft coverage, draft uh, previews, well, they've gone through the roof. Here's the thing. You have spring training for Major League Baseball is the same way. It is now an event. I mean, you have people that travel down to Arizona for a week to watch baseball that ultimately does not mean anything, anything. right? And the NFL draft, it's similar. I mean, you have fans that will travel all the way to Nashville. You're going to be in Nashville. I'll be in Nashville. You're going to be there yeah, for I'm the draft. I'm going to be there for the so draft. You have people that travel all over to go to these three, four-day events. And from uh, the NBA draft isn't like this. No. The Major League Baseball no, draft no, isn't like No, they're not it. at all. I don't even know when those – a lot of people don't even know when those events are. Right. Right. So, yeah, we have draft parties. You do a draft show. Mm-hmm. Um, next year, hopefully me and you are doing Radio draft, Row, from Radio Row Vegas, yeah. live in Vegas. Yeah. So the draft is huge. It's become a big event. The NFL has done an amazing job they have. of sponsoring this event, too, and building this event up. Yep. It used to be when nerds like me and you, there, was, there wasn't many of us, it was ESPN, the only time. It and was, it was on one day. One, <laughs> yes. It was, and we were watching it, and... Most of the players, we didn't even know who they were because you didn't have the NFL or the college football coverage. And now everybody knows everybody getting drafted. Look, I'm not afraid to tell this story. When I was 9, 10 years old, I would wake up on draft day. I would take a whiteboard into my living room, turn on the TV, and I would be writing on my whiteboard 
all day long. Me too. I'd make my own mock draft, and I would yeah, compare me it me too. to Mel Kuyper and all the guys that started in this but been doing it a long time. You know? And it was one day. It now was one, it's three. And yeah, dude, and I would make my own mock draft and see if I was closer than them. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not a lot of us like us out there no. doing that on draft day, and now there is. Yeah. You know, you got people going to – used to be at Radio City Music Hall, mm-hmm. and you typically – Eagles, Jets, and Giants fans were that the was only it. ones there. And by the time you get to round four or five, there was nobody, nobody there. there. Right. And now you have these outdoor events. You've got stages from everywhere. Three channels are covering it this yeah. year, I believe. So, <laughs> yeah, very cool. Very cool. NFL Draft is awesome. So Javier Edwards, again, from Colorado University. He is going to join us on the show coming up here in just a bit. Vinny, let's take a look at the national sports headlines. And we will begin with the AAF, the Alliance of America Football League, eight weeks into the inaugural season and it looks like they have played their final game now i know a lot of people from price have traveled up to salt lake for the salt lake stallion games they seem to really enjoy them uh, we know that ratings haven't been terrible typically four hundred thousand viewers but i i can't say i'm surprised i no. really i cannot say i'm surprised and it's no, because it's sad football leagues outside of the nfl they just don't make it in this country they don't they we, don't and it's seen it before We've seen it before, and, and, you know, the USFL was probably the most successful, and they had a, quite a little run. There was two or three years where they were pretty successful. Yeah. But, yeah, this is pretty sad because you've made it this way, and there's a lot of people enjoying this. My dad loves it. And, you know, there's a lot of people, like you said, going to the games, and the number's coming out, and you never know the story. They said they just suspended. They haven't canceled everything yet. Oh, come on. It's canceled. But 20 million bucks? Yeah. That's, that's the reports we're getting, that they're 20 million short of getting to the off season. Come on. But AAF owner Tom Dundon, according to Darren Roval of the Action Network, is reporting that he is set to lose about $70 million. Okay, so here's my question to you. And I don't have, I don't know all the ins and outs. I'm not a businessman. I'm really not. I'm a sports guy. I love sports, right? Right. You have to know that you're going to lose money in the first, first year, year of a league's existence here in this country. You have to realize this. You have to be looking long term. That's why I didn't get excited about the AAF. I mean, really, because. You know, and I and I have to question this, Vinny. How does this affect the XFL? I, I they have to look at this as another model. They have some history. They did it for a year, so they had to look at what worked, what didn't. The AAF, same thing. What worked, what didn't, and try and come up with a better model. But you know, if I'm the NFL, you know, this is a real black eye for a fan. What do we got? A nine billion dollar industry. And they're always complaining about lack of football players. And they don't want to back and it. And development, and they can't, they can't they, invest $20 million bucks. Maybe they don't want to back it. And it's, that's bad. They don't want to back it. And that's bad for the fan. It, it, because well, it is. Because it's bad it, for the fan because there's been some real angst lately, and the NFL viewership's a little bit down. And there's been some angst with the NFL, with the average fan. And, you know, they were looking for something different. I liked it, other than the ugly uniforms. I liked having okay. the football. I liked okay. having the football. There were some good players. Um, but, yeah, I, that's sad that the NFL can't help. But I think that's sad. Let me throw this out there as well, and I think this was also part of the problem for the AAF. I didn't feel that they did a good enough job of allowing everyday media to push the product. Right? You have to take every avenue possible. And I'm just looking at it from, from a media standpoint. You have to take every avenue possible to make people aware of your product. And I know media members that tried to get into AAF games and they were denied. And my question to you would be, why? why? Yeah, that's you were a good denying point. exposure. 
Right, you can't do that no. in this country when you're starting a secondary league. You, you have can't to make it. it as fan friendly as you can. Fan friendly, media friendly, Man, yeah, exactly. consumer friendly, consumer friendly in general. In general, you're correct. That's a great point, Jordan. Anybody and everybody that you know wanted to get in on that, they should have allowed, especially that first year. Yep, this should have been everything you could do. These are smaller market teams in a big sense. You know what I'm saying? Raffles fundraisers, even, you know, grassroots, little league style things to get people into that stadium. Yeah. So they have fun the first time. They can remember it. I went to an XFL game. I was there and you said in you San loved Francisco. It. I loved it. You and know, I was I was disappointed that league folded. So I hope this gets worked out and it's not going to. It's, it's done. probably not. But the, I think the, the NFL, that's sad the NFL, you know, what's what, that's pocket change for them to have a developmental league and there's no reason they don't. That's just, for me, that's ridiculous. And and I brought up the XFL, and I'm going to go back to it because we did have Oliver Luck on the show not that long ago when we were talking about the model. How are you going to follow? What, what steps are you going to take to prevent a disaster like last time out? The AAF had no care to compete with the NFL, and the XFL wants to compete with the NFL. To me, this was an opportunity to have a G League, and those who are basketball fans will understand what I'm saying, a chance to... Help your own product, right? To make sure your practice squad players, they get a chance. They get more reps. They get Exactly. This was the NFL's chance at that. The XFL is going to compete. Oliver Luck said they would look at kids that are not NFL draft eligible. If they are mentally and physically ready, they would bring them to the XFL and give them an opportunity to play for money now. That's competition. The AAF wasn't in the market for competition I don't know why the NFL didn't back them. I don't know why the NFL didn't d- jump in and say, okay, look, you want to sign some practice squad players, $20 million, finish out the rest of the season, because there are guys that I think can't play in the NFL. Oh, yeah, there's, there's the NFL-caliber there, players. There, there, there are. There are. And there's guys that have made it in the NFL, done well in the NFL. Right. Here, just in our Salt Lake team, I'm a char- everybody knows I'm a Chargers fan. Brandon Oliver was a very good player for the mm-hmm. San Diego Chargers, and he's playing in Salt Lake. So there's countless others, but... Yeah, for the NFL, that's just a missed opportunity. These guys want to play football. People have dreams. It's pocket change to you. And if four or five of those guys make it to the NFL, it's a success. It's a success. I agree. It's a success. And you're building your brand. You're building football in smaller market areas that they're probably going to watch. Now, if somebody from Birmingham would have made an NFL squad, they're probably watching the games now. I'm yeah. rooting for that team. Yeah. So I think it's a missed opportunity for the NFL. You know, They're a global superpower and... They do things their own way, but I think it's a missed opportunity, the average fan. All right, let's step away from that particular topic. I want to speak on the NFL draft because it is rapidly approaching, and it's almost like Christmas for NFL fans. I mean, really, everybody is 0-0 and once again. But as we get closer to the draft, we're always talking about the first round. For me, I find such intrigue in those middle rounds four, five, six, maybe even seven. You'll find some gems. And I think the journey for those players, everybody has their own story, and it's extremely unique. And we're going to hear about one of those stories right now. Joining us over the phone, we have Colorado Buffalo defensive tackle Javier Edwards. Javier has a very unique story. He went through the JUCO ranks, played some Power 5 college football with Coach Mike McIntyre at Colorado. And right now, he is ascending up the draft board originally thought to be a seventh round pick to a priority undrafted free agent you may see him go in the fifth or sixth round joining us right now over the phone javier edwards and javier it's a pleasure to get you on today thank you 
Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah, it's fun to talk with you. I know there's so much to get into, and we'll dive right into it. You've spent uh, the last two years at Colorado, and what makes this particular story, I think, so unique, you didn't have the luxury of skipping a level. You went from high school to junior college to D1 Pac-12 football, and now you're on the verge of being selected in the NFL draft in just a couple of weeks. So I, I like to say that your case is somewhat unique in that sense. You've seen it at all levels. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it's definitely unique because, you know, not, not many people, you know, do the junior college route or want to do the junior college route. But, so, you know, that, that, just, that does nothing but make me work hard and, make me want to prove myself more. You went to Blinn Junior College, and then you went to Colorado. So uh, let me ask you this question first. The level in play from Chuco to D1, was that difficult to get, I guess, acclimated to? Oh, yeah, it was. It was. Because, you know, it, in, in junior college, it, it's, it's no holes barred, man. It's like <laughs> you do what you want to do. So it's really like there's no rules and. And going to the Division One Power Five, so much structure and everything. You have tutors, you have this, you have that. You, um, it's, it's something to do every five minutes. From junior college, where you know food's not good, just nothing's good about it. But, uh, but that, just the structure is is the biggest difference. I know you and I have had conversations before, and I want to talk about your time at Colorado. Coach Mike McIntyre, who we've had here on the show multiple times, former head coach now at Colorado, how instrumental was he to your development and putting you in a position uh, to get selected in the NFL draft in a couple of weeks? Oh, yeah. He, he was a big influence on me because every, every single day he pushed me to be not only a better football player but a better man. He you know, he, he told me, Javier, when he came in, you, you overweight. You need to lose weight, uh, you know, just to not only play football, but to live. Because at, when football is over with, you're going to be, if you're playing at 390, you, you retire from football, and you're going to end up being 400-plus pounds. You know, I'll be big as a house. So... He 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 told me he motivated me and, and told me, hey, you 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 get this weight down, and you know your, your life will be so much better. You'll be a, you'll be a millionaire. All you have to do is lose weight. If you don't lose this weight, you won't start here. You won't play. And you know I I took that personal as a challenge. And you know because at first my junior year I didn't really buy in. My senior year you know, I got I got all the way down to three thirty four. So, and then I had to, you know, probably one of the best years of football in my life. And here I am, about to get drafted. Javier, it's Vinny here. Um, talk to us a little bit about your journey in as far as, you know, your regional scouts talking to you during the season. They come to practice. They talk to you a little bit. Then you go to, you know, an all-star game. You do your off-season training or, or post-season training. And then your pro day, what you impressed at. Talk to us about what the scouts approached you with, you know, what they like, what they want, what you need to improve on. Coming from when they saw me during the season, you know, they were like, okay, that guy's a big guy, his size, you know, and, and he's powerful. 
once I moved on to the NFLPA game, I saw they, they saw another side. Of me. They said, okay, he's big, he's powerful, now he's explosive. I was the first one getting off the ball. You can pull up the practice film. That's what were raving about my get off. It was it was crazy. And then, you know, now after the pro day, they they saw my my athleticism. I can run, jump, hop, skip, hum, or whatever they wanted me to do. <laughs> and and now they just wanted me to you know improve on becoming a better pass rusher. And that's something you know I've been working on since the season was over with or even during, and even during the season. So the biggest thing right now for me is proving that I can be a pass rusher. Good until you pass rusher. And then talk to us a little bit about, you know, your conditioning. You told us earlier when you got out of Blinn, you know, you were kind of, you know, a heavier guy. Coach was all over you. Where are you at right now shape-wise, weight-wise, and how much difference has it made as far as losing that weight? Oh, I'm 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 at 325 now, and you know I'm I'm in great shape. I feel my body feels good. You know I, I I'm actually able to run a mile. I run a mile every every morning now, and my my conditioning level is going to be through the roof. It's fantastic. That's yeah, that's, that's awesome. That, that, that's it's it's. it's fairly amazing and I know that you did impress at the Colorado Pro Day your 40 yard dash time was 497 and you actually squatted 550 pounds and Vinny and I were kind of marveling at those logistics. Following that Pro Day you did pick up I know a lot of attention there were NFL scouts there uh, to, to watch this particular you know to watch this Pro Day. What were they telling you? Uh, the, the thing they're telling me right now is you know you, you're ascending on draft on draft boards, and you know we have to take your numbers into consideration because you know it was guys that were projecting in the second round at the combine, and then after my pro day, you know I blew I blew their numbers out of the water, and you know they're telling me they they love my motor, my my endurance, and and my explosion, and how powerful I am. They just were they just amazed. What uh, what do you have scheduled next? What's the next step now that you're past the Colorado Pro Day and we're about three uh, three weeks away from the draft? What's next for you? Um, this weekend, I'm, uh, I have a workout with the Texans. I'm going to the, the the local day. They want me to come in, meet the coaches, and you know do position drills and stuff. And I know when talking to you previously, that's a place that you could see yourself playing just because it's somewhat home to you, right? Right, right. Any other situation you'd like to see yourself get into as far as the NFL draft and a particular team? Um, I would love to play with you know Bill Belichick. You know that's a great organization. But not only them, I would love to play for you know the Tennessee Titans, Miami Dolphins. You know they both have different coordinators that know what they're doing, and 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 you know they run a three-four scheme and. You know, I feel like I can really, I can really soar in, in in that type of scheme. I can really do numbers. I can be great in those schemes. And also, another one I forgot about um, the Chicago Bears because you know Chuck Chuck Pagano's the um, defensive coordinator, and he was my head coach at at the All Star game, the NFLPA. And, and I loved his defense. I, I caught on his defense after two days. I loved that one. That's probably the best 
team I didn't ever played in. So I think those situations would probably be the best for me. Yeah, here on the show, we're, we're ramming Charger homers, and you didn't mention playing alongside Aaron Donald in L.A. with uh, with Wade Phillips. Oh, I'd I, I love to do that. You know, like I said. <laughs> hey, us Charger fans would like to see you next to Joey Bosa, too. So, I mean, we're fine in L.A. We need some de- defensive tackle help. So, if the Chargers call, it'll make me perfectly happy, Javier. I say, hey, hey they, they do that. I, I take up two blockers, Joey Bosa, uh, He'll run laps around the quarterback all day. <laughs> we'll take that. And, and there's nothing wrong with limited SoCal, right? I mean, you could probably get used to that weather and that lifestyle pretty quick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love L.A. You know, that coming from Boulder, Colorado, the altitude sucks. <laughs> Very hard to play in. And then every time I went to California, it was like I can play all day. I never got tired. So I, I loved it out there. Javier, before I let you go, I want to talk about those that have played a factor or at least influenced you in your game. So growing up, who did you try to model your style and your game after? Was there anyone in particular? Um, I, I tried to model my game after, you know, guys like Will Fort, Warren Sapp. Um, guy that I watch a lot now is Marcel Darius. And... Um, and and now I'm consumed because he was so mean and violent, and I just I just I feel like that's the way the game should be played, violent. And yeah, those are some guys that really you know had a big influence on me and how I wanted to play. I, I think another question we can end with this. I'm I'm always curious as to where these guys are. These guys that are selected, Vinny. Where, where are they watching at? Are they at home? Are they at the park? Where, where are they at? Yeah, right? what's going on? Are they barbecuing? Yeah, are they? Yeah, yeah. That, that, I think that's always fun at the draft. So Javier, where where are you going to be day two, day three of the NFL draft? Um, I'm, I'm going to be, want to most likely be at home with the family. All right. Well, hopefully you get a phone call and uh, you're playing some football next year. Can't wait to hear your name called day two, day three of the NFL draft. Javier, it's been a pleasure to chat with you. I I love the story. I love the fact that you've managed to uh, get your weight under control and turn it into a positive and going into pro day at 325 when you were around four. I mean, to me, this, this is a phenomenal story. So best of luck to you. And again, thank you for taking out the time to join us today. I appreciate you. Vinny, fun story. Fun story, and it's great to talk to a guy that, again, is fringe. I mean, we're talking fifth, sixth, seventh round. And he's ascending. And he's ascending. That's that's a fun story. That is a very cool story because you talk to a guy that he knew he had to make a change to make it, and his coach told him, you got to drop, it was 50 pounds. Yeah. And basically, you got to drop 50 pounds. You want to play football at Colorado, so... That's a great story, and I hope it is day two, you know. Um, I hope so, too. I hope it is day two. It seems like, you know, even day three in the fourth, fifth round range, that'd be perfect. That's an awesome story and a dream come true to be drafted. At any point, to be Mm -hmm. drafted by an NFL franchise is phenomenal. Right. So, yeah, very cool interview, great story, and I like the JUCO route. That's always a cool twist to it it's it's a nuance that gets overlooked i mean especially here in, in price we we have a juco right down the street yeah, from us without a football without program. a football so we're program. jealous right yeah we're, we're always talking juco basketball but uh you know not far from here snow college they have a terrific juco program yeah they, so. they have a very good football program so yeah that's a neat that's a neat way to go about it and uh good story so good luck to him good luck to him Vinny, i want to end by talking russell wilson and the seattle seahawks 
If the Seahawks want to give Russell Wilson a new contract, they better get a moving on it. Now, according to the Seattle Times, a deadline has been set April 15th by Russell Wilson to complete a deal. Now, I'm always of the mindset where there's smoke, there's fire. And it wasn't but a couple of weeks ago, remember, there was the conversation of, would the Giants be interested in trading for Russell Wilson? You remember that conversation? Oh, yeah, yeah that, was a, that was a rumor leaking around. It was around. a rumor, and a lot of people were like, yeah, come on, really? Seahawks, they're not going to trade Russell Wilson. Why would they do this? Like I said, where there's smoke, there's fire. He's entering the final season of his four-year deal. Is it go time for Seattle to lock him up long-term or at least explore the idea of moving on from Russell Wilson? Both. You have to look at the market. You're going to have to look at what, what you can do. You have to look at your team. Let's be completely honest. When I love Russell Wilson. Okay, I do, but, too. But when Russell Wilson was throwing the football, did Seattle have any success? Uh, okay, so Pete Carroll goes to two Super Bowls. How do you get there? Defensively. Defensively, and they, what else? They, they were amazing. Run Running the, fo- the ball. Running Russell the football. Wilson threw the ball when they wanted to. Yeah. Last year, what'd they do? The, the uh, defense came together. And they, they led started, the NFL in rushing attempts. Yep. And did the record improve? Yes, it did. So when you're looking at this, you have to take consideration. People have knee-jerk reactions where they're saying, wait a minute, it's Russell Wilson. He's, he's, it's Russell Wilson. You can't. Pete Carroll wants to build his football team the way he wants to build his football team. And Russell Wilson's a very good football player. But history shows us that when Russell Wilson throws the ball all the time, the Seahawks don't win football games. So... If the blueprint for Pete Carroll is we're going to build a dominant defense, which they're trying to do, they're drafting that way, right? Mm-hmm. And they're investing in the running game and the offensive line to be run heavy. If Russell Wilson's going to price himself out, you have to explore the idea of moving on. Plus if you can get 30, a haul for him. He's 30 years old. And if you can get a haul for him, you have to explore that. It's you, For people that are like, you know, sometimes they don't think about it logically. The success was defense run the ball. And since they've got away from that, they have not had any success at all. It's true. So for me, I love Russell Wilson. He's a fan favorite. It's a Seattle thing. Um, But if he's going to play hardball and price himself out, I think you move on. If the Seahawks and Russell Wilson do not come to a contract agreement by April 15th, is he moved at the draft? Boy, would that change the draft? It's possible. Uh, that, uh, that, what we again, thought was impossible is it, 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 it is, is possible. Because Absolutely, he set, he set that deadline for a reason. For a reason, and it's April fifteenth. Now, again, I, we may be we may be overreacting, but the fact is, this was a legitimate rumor about two or three weeks ago, right? And now a deadline for a new contract has been set ten days before the NFL draft. There's a reason why. There's a reason going on, and he wants some security and. Um, like I said, I, I love the way Russell Wilson plays football. He's good for football, and uh, he's a good quarterback. But it's, if you were going to tell me that Russell Wilson can take a franchise, put him on his back, and throw him into the playoffs, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. And his success, you know, the Seahawks have shown that. Now, there's other factors, of course. You've lost the Legion of Boom and, and different things. Those defenses were amazing. But when he's had to throw the football, they don't do well. No. Historically, they don't. So if he's going to ask to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL, would you give it to him? No. No, I wouldn't. And I'll, and I'll do you one better. I'm going to throw a scenario out there for you. Okay? okay. Seattle decides that maybe it is time to explore a trade for Russell Wilson. And where they're picking right now, I believe it is 21. 21. Is yeah, where they're 20, picking. 21 Giants have the sixth pick the in the sixth draft. The sixth pick. Okay. Would you trade Russell Wilson to the Giants 
for a swap of first round picks and a second. Yes. You would do it instantly. Yes. Would you do it if Wait, you were the- let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. I at this point though, if I say yes to that, I have talked to his agent. I've looked at my roster and April fifteenth comes and Russell Wilson says, You're gonna have to give me thirty one million bucks. I think Cousins got eighty five guaranteed, mm-hmm. right? Okay, eighty four, so, yeah. Okay, so he I want ninety guaranteed. I want thirty million a year. At this point, if you've got a number that's off, say we've got a disconnect, and then you ask me, the answer is logically, yeah, it's a yes. Yep, I'll take that. Okay, and if you're the Giants, would you take that trade? Yes. I would too. It's one of those deals where it could work for both ends because if you take a look, the Giants have the 37th pick in the second round. So you're going to swap. Seahawks move up. They get a top six pick, and they get the first second round pick of the Giants. If you're far apart in contract (laughs) negotiations, why don't you? Because what happens if he walks and you get nothing? What if you have a Le'Veon Bell-Antonio Brown deal again where the Steelers got nothing? Set you back years. So if you have that disconnect and there's that divide between you, I think you got to take that deal. I'm with you. I think you take the deal. Now, okay, let me ask you. Here's a scenario for you. If you're the Giants and you have uh, Russell Wilson falls into your lap and you know you're going to get four or five years out of it, what do you do with Eli Manning? It's simple. You cut him and he goes where? Washington. There you go. And with that, we are out of time on this edition of Bolts and Horns, a pro football show. Remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. And, of course, if you follow us each week, give us a rating, recommend us, and we'll be back to do it again next Tuesday. Jordan Buscarini alongside Vinny Rondinelli. Be safe. We are out.